You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher discuss what attunement means and why it's so important for healthy childhood development. Listen in as Candace and Cher start a conversation that is good to have in order to heal and bring healing to others. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. Good to be with you. Good to be with you today as we start a new series. Yeah, today we're going to look at attunement and we are going to kind of unpack really just what attunement is and why, why did we need attunement from day one? I think for me, it just felt so surprising the first time I heard this being talked about and the recognition of this is something and all these things that we're going to be talking about are things that children need in order to develop in a healthy way for our body to develop healthy, for our emotions to develop in a healthy way, for us to be able to develop relationships, to develop boundaries and our own well-being and our creativity and all of these things that if we are missing some of the bedrock needs that every child needs, we will struggle with certain things throughout our lives until we experience some levels of healing that then can help us get back on this track where we have freedom where previously we did not. And I think that is the beautiful things is that our brains do grow and do heal. And even though we may have had many deficits through our our childhood, we can heal and grow and become and and find the freedom that we really long for. So I am super excited to talk about this. This has been huge in my life to experience it, to learn about it. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited. And a lot of these things we're talking about are things that we have talked about and that we have given glimpses of, but we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive. And I'm very eager for this series. I know when I was in um, college, the late eighties, early nineties, we were shown the still face experience, which I'm not sure when that came out. So attunement actually isn't a new topic, but what's interesting to me is that now that we have more brain scans and imaging and just neuroscience has developed ways that we can look at the brain more clearly, there's a lot more that can be said about that still face experience. If you haven't seen that, I want to encourage you to go just look that up, the still face experience, and you'll get a little picture of a baby that was attuned to. And then there's a rupture in that and the reaction. We talked about this before we push record, but I still can't watch that video without tears. I I hate watching that baby respond to the misattunement. Yeah. And so that is our topic for today is attunement. And I want to just read a definition that will help our listeners understand what are we talking about when we talk about attunement. So attunement is the reactiveness we have to another person. 
It is the process by which we form relationships. And Dr. Dan Siegel, who has done so much research in this area, said, when we attune with others, we allow our own internal state to shift, to come to resonate with the inner world of another. And so attunement is when we are connecting with another person in a way where my internal state connects with their internal state in ways that can help bring regulation or care or compassion or whatever is really needed in the moment. So yeah, like the still face experience, it shows the kind of the typical mother relating with the child. And when the child interacts with the mother, the mother is there and her face is mirroring the joy or the, you know, whatever the baby is saying, right? The mother is mirroring that back and there's engagement, there's interaction and, and you see the connection there. And then they they change. And I, I won't say too much because I, I think it would be great for people to go and watch it. But mm-hmm. then it is an experiment where then the mother purposefully misattunes and you watch the distress that the baby feels and mm-hmm. goes through to try to then get that attunement again. That's an experiment where we can watch and see it played out. But the reality is, is that many of us, we lived this. We lived in a, an environment of misattunement. Not, not to say that we were never attuned to, but where there were huge lapses. And as a result, we did experience some level of developmental trauma as a result. So this is a big deal. This whole thing of attunement is a big deal. Mm -hmm. When we talk about attunement and we start with birth, we start with the baby coming into the relationship with the mom, the dad, the caregiver from day one. And the basic need of attunement is obviously food. The baby's hungry. The baby needs food. We also know there's other experiences or experiences, experiments of babies need touch and held and, and what can happen to growth if they're not getting that. I know that when my youngest daughter had her, her first child, she was, you know, she was like, mom, how do I always know what he needs. Like I, she she got her degree in early childhood development. And so she was hyper aware that, okay, my child has needs. And as a baby, I don't always know exactly what those are, but you begin to learn, you begin, you get to know your baby. You know, they even say kind of, they have different cries. This is a hungry cry. This is a tired cry. This is, I just need held cry. I think the hardest thing for her was when she couldn't really figure out what his distress was. And I loved being able to tell her it's not so much in knowing exactly once, you know, they're fed, they're dry you're holding them is just, they're not alone. Yeah. Even if you have to walk the floor, because sometimes for babies, it can be a tummy ache or an earache or something. You know, the nights that moms just hold their babies 
and walk the floor. Sometimes, I don't know, you probably have memories of this too, where you're in the rocking chair and and you are maybe soothing them or maybe they're fussy, but you're kind of falling asleep. Yeah. 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 So that was helpful for her to know that it wasn't about always 100% figuring out what was going on as a baby until they develop their language. Well, and, you know, how do we learn to be mothers? We are taught how to become good mothers by attuning to our child, to our children. Our children really teach us how to be a good mother for them. Mm-hmm. we are paying attention and and we're going to talk in a minute here about you know how do we attune i love how you said earlier it's not about parents having to be perfect at all you know but it is about us having the intent to be attentive to be noticing we've named this before but i just want to say it again that children do not need perfect parents they need good enough parents. Before we, like you said, I just want to reiterate before we go into this, like we do not want to heap loads of guilt on anyone or shame for how we may have missed some things, but we want to bring awareness particularly to what are the things that we needed that we did not get. So this is much more talking about not How did you do or not do as a parent, but what did you need that you did not get and that could still receive healing today by Mm -hmm. developing attunement in your key relationships? Mm -hmm. Because this is... This is life-changing when Mm -hmm. even as adults, we enter relationships where there is attunement. So let's just talk a little bit about how do we attune? We just came up with a few ways that we can attune. The, the, The list is endless, probably how we can do this, but just to give some real examples of what does attunement really look like in a relationship? Let's just kind of go through this list, Candace, and just kind of talk talk about each one. And so go ahead with number one. And I want to just preface this by saying for the parent, you know, as we go through this, I also want to just put this out there that attunement with a child is about pursuing. It's noticing, but it's also pursuing. For instance, that we are listening closely what they are telling us or not telling us. And we are seeking maybe some exclamation explanations of what's going on with them. So the first one is really just looking at their body. Mm-hmm. And of course, in a, with, a, with, a, with a young child, they tell us a lot with their body. It might be a temper tantrum. You know, it might be the angry cry. It's their face gets scrunched up. They might fall on the floor. Like, so reading, and and really we do this as adults too, but we become so much more subtle. I remember several years ago, a friend asked me why I tended to sit in a somewhat relaxed position, but often with clenched fists. Mm. And I remember looking down and there I was with clenched Mm. fists. That was really an important moment for me of starting to notice even more like, why do I sit? Why am I often? Why do I hold a lot of tension in my body when I'm not thinking 
tense things or I'm not aware that I am dysregulated. And yet there's that much tension in my body that I sit there with clenched fists. And so my my friend was actually attuning to me in that moment in her noticing of what I was doing with my body. We give these clues all of the time. And if you begin to look closely with the people who are closest to you, you see a lot, you might notice that jaw that gets clenched or those nostrils that flare or that that one little twitch of the eyebrow, right, that happens. We give these signals all the time of dysregulation in our body when we don't really even bring the words. But if we're paying attention, we can see it and we can read it. And when we do this for one another, it is so helpful because so often we're not even aware of it in our own bodies. Yeah, our nonverbal behavior I've read can be up to 93% yeah. of what's really going on. Yeah. So it could be the child that comes home from school and their non-ver- nonverbal behavior is showing you that they are in distress or that something's wrong. But then when you ask, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, there there's misalignment there with what you're reading. And so, yeah, being able to just gently move towards them and letting them know that you wonder if there's something going on and are very available for them when they're ready to talk. When we did not get this as a child, we go through our lives still needing it. Mm hmm. So if you are a person needing it, or if you have a friend who is needing it, okay, so when we get dysregulated or when we see someone who's dysregulated, one of the ways that we attune is by moving our body closer to theirs. And I will say as close as they can tolerate. Yes. As close as we are comfortable with, but Mm -hmm. as close as they can tolerate. And people will let you know. They Mm -hmm. will automatically move back. Or if you reach out and touch their hand, they may leave it there or they may pull it away. But if they leave it there, that's a good indication like let your hand linger there for a a few seconds longer. Like don't let it be a one second touch. Let it be a three second touch or a five second touch. Moving your body as close to them as they can tolerate is is a beautiful way of attuning. Well, I like what you're saying about noticing present day as an adult, what this is like for you. Yeah. And when you're in a community or you have a friend that you are aware of what attunement is and what attunement does, and later on we'll discuss misattunement, but you can work on it together. Mm-hmm. In such a beautiful way. Yeah. And we can also out ourselves, like mm-hmm. by admitting, I turned away, but I really wanted to stay. Mm. And, and that also is a beautiful thing when we can bring that kind of honesty. So far, we've said a couple of ways to attune are look closely at what their body is communicating, move in as close physically as they can tolerate. A third way is listen closely to what they are telling you with their words. 
Okay. And their words can reveal a lot of things. It can re reveal their explanations, right? Which might be coming from their prefrontal cortex, where they might say, well, this situation happened, but I know, blah, 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 blah. So those explanations, they might tell you about a memory. Well, I just struggle with this because one time, blah, blah, blah. They might tell us their perceptions, right? Well, when you say that, it makes me think that what you mean is, so it's a perception, may or may not be true at all, but it is their perception. They might, they might with their words, tell us about their experiences of being hurt. And they might even talk about their emotions that they are feeling. And probably there's more too, but these are just several things that I thought of. Listen closely to what they are telling you with their words. And I think that when this happens, we often can get defensive and we can start immediately to say things like, well, that's not really what I meant, or that's not really what happened. Or if we can stay in the place and in the space where they are in this moment, we are attuning. The minute that we get defensive or we begin to pull them out of where they are right then in that moment, we are misattuning. And we're going to be talking about misattunement in, a, in, a, in the next one or two episodes. But in order to attune, we need to stay with them where they are and not try to pull them toward what we believe is truth. What you're saying is it's the sense of someone being feeling felt, which is also resonance, that they actually experience you being in sync yeah. with where they're at. Yeah. And that that is what we would say they are feeling seen. Yeah, and heard. And heard. And no matter what that looks like for them, they're not being left. Yeah. And we do this so often in our community where we will say the words, I've heard, I've, I've heard this so many times, I hear you. And then there might be a, this is what I hear you saying. So there might be a, a mirroring back, or we, we also often say, I hear you. Can you say more? And man, how often we need to be invited to say more because we give that little glimpse of this is what I really think, or these are the real emotions that I'm really feeling, or these are my real perceptions. And we need the person to invite us to say more. And man, when I hear those words, can you tell me more? Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful moment. I think back to when we, you know, when we, the times that we have done story work, story in story groups, particularly when we bring a story of harm from childhood. And, and usually these, these stories of harm are times when we were not attuned to where we were really missed. And we bring these stories. And, and then out of that, we developed our own perceptions and our own beliefs about ourselves of why at some level we were worthy of the misattunement. Mm -hmm. 
because for a child, we can't really hold that space that our parents were wrong or bad. We we own it ourselves. Then when we share a story and and someone in the group brings a message of, I hear you and I'm seeing you as that young seven-year-old or however old, and I'm just, and then they will bring some words of care and how our souls are so moved by that kind of care. And here we are as, you know, 40 or 50 or 60-year-old women, and we're getting the kind of care in those stories that we needed back then, but didn't get. And mm-hmm. when we get the care now, it it just changes our lives. Mm-hmm. And this is why we do this. This is why we do this because there is a sense if you if you're on the outside looking in, and you have this thought of like, oh my gosh, good grief, just get over this, you know, just do what you need to do. It's kind of this dismissal of really what needs to happen for it to be authentic, for it to be real, for it to be joyful. I just had something happen the other day, just to give it a little example. My 12-year-old granddaughter and I went to the Humane Society to look at the animals and they had dogs and cats, but she, she loves dogs, but she kept being drawn to the cats. And so we were in the cat room and she kept being drawn back to this one cat, okay? I I was with her and she was, the cat's name was Stevie. The cat was 12 years old and it was very lethargic. And all of a sudden I, I just was watching my granddaughter's body language and she was feeling the burden that this cat was old. It was alone. And I began having conversation with her about this cat. And sure enough, I saw her kind of light up that I was talking with her about what she was feeling about this cat. The problem was she didn't want to leave the Humane Society without bringing that cat home. Yeah. And I couldn't do that because her mom would have killed me. (laughs) But I will say later that evening when she was kind of getting worked up about this cat, Mm. I looked her in the eyes and I said, I see your deep desire to want to help that cat. And it is a good desire. And, you know, I, I didn't get to fix it for her, Yeah, but she, like, she just wanted someone to attune to how she felt about the cat. Uh, And how often we don't need our struggles fixed. We Mm -hmm. just need attunement. Yeah. Yeah. If in that moment, as you're talking with your granddaughter, you see the sadness in her face, just you walking toward her, seeing that sadness and having sadness on your face, even Mm -hmm. before you said any words, she felt your attunement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did. It actually builds trust. It builds safety. It builds connection. And it it lets the other person know that it speaks of value and worth yeah. to the other person. Matter. Yeah. We just have two more that we want to mention quickly. And one of them is it's kind of like mirroring their face, but 
speak words or offer sounds of compassion and understanding. So it's kind of mirroring their face, only doing it verbally instead of just giving them the expressions, doing it also verbally. And then I think the last one that we had talked about was notice also what you are feeling in your body and emotions. And this can be really hard. This is kind of a skill that we have to learn Mm -hmm. how to become aware of what it is that we are feeling as we are engaging, especially in intimacy, and because attunement is intimacy, especially when we are attuning to someone else, it's important to notice what we're feeling in our body, not that we are tending to our body in that moment, but For example, Mm -hmm. if we're feeling agitated, like, you know, oh, I need to get supper started. And, you know, here's my friend talking on and on on the phone. And I'm just feeling like I need to get moving. Just noticing that is important. We don't care for that in that moment. We don't necessarily say, well, hey, I appreciate what you're saying, but I'm feeling really agitated right now. But noticing it so that we can care for that later is really important. Mm. And often the truth is, is that when we are attuning to other people, we can also start to feel some level of dysregulation because our body keeps the score and our body knows so often that just as I am attuning to this person and their where they are at in their need right now. I also need a lot of attunement. And so the more that we can learn to tune in to what we're feeling in our own body, and then not in that moment, but then get the care that we need. It's just a part of also then what brings more healing to us. These are some ways that we can attune to each other, to our children, to our grandchildren, to our friends, to our spouse. There are more ways, of course, but we wanted to just offer a few things that we feel can be really helpful. So as we close, I'm just going to ask our listeners to really consider looking at ways that you can move towards someone differently. Just choose one person in your life begin to pay more attention to how are they communicating to you when they bring their needs forward? Can you stay engaged longer in a way that really speaks of attunement? Yeah, great to be with you and to just open the conversation on this area. Yes, good to be with you too. Love you, friend. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing, if you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.